Today we're going to look at three places in the Gospels. We're going to take a look at the birth of Christ. But what we're going to take a look at is, is the opportunities that He gives us to give our lives to Him and the opportunities that He has given us, a second chance, if you would, to walk with Him. Not only a second chance, but third, fourth, fifth, tenth, a hundredth, a thousand chances. He comes back and gives us chance after chance after chance to walk our lives with Him. And so if you're here this morning and you wonder what is the fuss in our lives about this baby that was born in a manger, we would love for you to maybe catch a glimpse of that that with us this morning. So would you turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew, the very first book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1. You see, when Jesus Christ was born, the whole world was turned upside down. From the very beginning of time, there has been an attempt against the life of the very Son of God. In the Old Testament, they were to try to wipe out the Jewish nation so that the Messiah would not come through that line. In the New Testament, as soon as the baby was born, there was word that he was born and, and there was an attempt against his life. And time after time, Jesus Christ had to escape those who wished to kill him And as he grew, as we read through Scripture, it wasn't that he was afraid to die. No, on the contrary. He was more than willing to go to death. It was just that he had to die at the perfect time. And so we celebrate this, the birth of Jesus Christ, the Savior of this world, who was born for a very specific reason. And and I would like to, if possible today, to center our thoughts upon that very central reason of why Jesus Christ was born. Matthew chapter 1. Let's start with verse 18 and read through chapter 2 and verse 15. It's a wonderful story about the birth of Christ. If you do not mind, I'm going to kind of uh, narrate. I'm going to say some thoughts while we come from verse to verse during this reading, if you don't mind just to kind of fill you in. In verse 18 it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit, as verse 18 allows us to know. Before they had any relationships with one another, she now was found to be with child. It says in verse 19 that Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. You see, he did not believe. He knew it was not his baby. And so he thought, well, rather than disgrace her, I'll put her away. I'll, I'll move her away so that she will not be embarrassed. Verse 20 says, when, the, when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins." Now all this took place that 
what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translates means God with us. Joseph arose from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, and he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now it becomes very interesting in chapter 2, some some magi from the east come to Jerusalem to see this one that was born. It says in verse 1 of chapter 2, Now after Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem of Judea, In the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him gathered together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people and began to inquire of them, where the Christ was to be born. And they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. Verse 6 quotes the prophet Micah and says, You, Bethlehem, land of Judea, are by no means least among the leaders of of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. When Herod secretly called the Magi and ascertained from them the time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child. When you have found him, report to me that I too may come and worship him. And having heard the king, they went their way, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They came into the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. They opened their treasures and they presented to him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their own country by another way. Verse 13 tells us what Herod really wanted to do when They had departed. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Arise and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. And so Joseph arose and took the child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Out of Egypt did I call my son. From the very beginning of time, people have been trying to destroy Jesus Christ, trying to destroy the Messiah, trying to destroy the one who would come in the name of God, live on this earth so that you and I might have a glimpse of what does God look like? What does God desire of us? And also, this one, called Jesus Christ, grew to be a man who died upon the cross for our sin, the sin of this world, 
Three days later, he rose from the dead to prove that everything he said concerning himself and concerning God and concerning your life and my life was absolutely, positively true. And by trusting in him, you and I, we too might have everlasting life. And so he rose from the dead. He has demonstrated to you and me what God looks like in human flesh. And people have tried to destroy Him forever. They still do. They try to take the baby out of the manger and the manger out of all, all places so that we might not see that scene and we might not think of the wonders of God. I want to pray just for a moment. I, I want to ask you, Father, to bless this time. There are those of us here who we've just celebrated one of the most wonderful holidays it is called of our of our time. The very birth of the Savior of this world, we celebrate that and we call it Christmas. And yet, Father, so many, so many are troubled by this and even those of us as believers have placed such a high expectation upon this time of the year that we really can't even live up to all that it, uh, all that it is in some ways. And so what I want to do, Father, is speak to those of us who might feel the pressures of this time of the year and realize how much you love us. And how much you'll take us right where we're at, we are at and, and just care for us in every way possible. Father, would you please move me aside? And would you open up our eyes that we might behold wonderful things from the very Word of God that we read? Comfort us and, and help us, Father, to, to become the people that you've called us to become. I pray this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Well, Jesus Christ was born for a very specific reason. We watched Him live. We can see the words that He said so that we might understand how we are to live our lives according to the will of God. It's one of the reasons He lived. Now, you might be saying to yourself, yeah, He wasn't born for me. Because if you knew me, you might be saying, you know that I've missed my chance. I, uh, I blew it. In more ways than I can even explain, maybe you're saying, if you are saying that, if you're here, and, and that's kind of the statement that you're making, I, I want you to know that I'm not so far beyond the time where I came to believe and trust in Jesus Christ to this day that I, I don't remember that thought that maybe you're thinking. Uh, I'm not going to be talking to you today about religion. Not at all. I want to talk to you today about a relationship, a, an understanding of who this person is called Jesus Christ and, and what He wants to do in your life. When I was first presented with the very, the very thought of understanding and knowing God through the person of Jesus Christ, it was foreign to me. I was raised in a religion where you had to do good things. You had to be a good person 
person. You had to walk a certain way for God to accept you. And it seemed like every step that I took this way, I would end up taking two or three the other way. And then I would make another attempt, and then I would make another two or three backwards. I'm going to fall off the stage. And, 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 and I was just frustrated by the fact that I, how could anyone believe that they can know God? And you see, the problem with that thought pattern is that we try, to, we try to make God into what we think He ought to be. And we think about how we're supposed to love Him and we forget about the very essence of who He is. The very essence of who He is is that He came to love us. And because of His love for us, we have the ability to be a part of who He is. And so many of us, at least myself at that point in my life, was thinking, how can I be good enough? And I didn't realize that God had done everything for me. He just wanted me to make a, a step towards Him is all. And so some of you might be saying, not me. I don't, I don't know that I can understand and know Him or believe. But I say to you, no, really, let me say it this way. Not what I say, but, but what the Bible says to you, what God's Word says to you, is that you're unique. We all are. And God gave birth to His Son so that you and I might have, now get this, this is critical, that we might have another opportunity. Opportunity after opportunity to say yes to Jesus Christ and to follow Him you see, when Jesus grew up, there was one thing consistently that He said to people, and that was, follow Me. When He went to anyone who wanted to believe in Him, He says, good, now, follow Me. And some did, and some didn't. He doesn't make us follow Him. He doesn't make you do what you don't want to do, He allows you the freedom of your will to walk with Him or not. But some of those people who choose to follow Him, at one point or another in their lives, messed up. They messed up royally. And they too, perhaps, felt like they missed their golden opportunity as well. Perhaps somewhat like you feel maybe even at this time. You've missed your chance. I want to talk about one person in particular. I, I read this in a book, and, and, and it so impacted me, and I can't remember how many years ago I read this, but uh, it was years ago, and I, I, I rushed to this place. If you, if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 14. I rushed to my Bible because I, I tried to make it at that time in my life as I try today, to read through the Bible, to try to, to try to comprehend what the Bible is saying. And I, I don't read the Bible, as you well know, if you've listened to me at all, is I don't read it in a pattern that I rush through it. I, I read it in such a way that I, I ask questions when I, I come to places that, that maybe I don't understand or, or like it says that Joseph kept Mary a virgin until, I got that word underlined until, because I came from a Catholic background that said Mary was a virgin all of her life. Well, she had other children. 
There was only but one miracle in her life, and that was Jesus Christ. The rest was a relationship that she had with Joseph, her husband. He kept her a virgin until the birth of Christ. I have that mark because that was important for me to comprehend. And so I, I, I read the Bible in that fashion. And so when I saw this and I read this book by a, an author by the name of Max Lucado, it just, it just struck me so vividly as I read through Mark after I actually read through his book and then I rushed to, to the book of the Bible to look at, at Mark and to see if this is not so. This place in Scripture talks of when this wonderful baby that was born in a manger grew up to be a man, the Savior of this world. It was just before He was to go to the cross and suffer and die for the sins of this world. And He tells His followers that they were going to scatter, that He was going to die, but He was going to come back. And one of them, Peter, argues this point. Look with me at Mark chapter 14. And let's start with verse 26. You might want to read more of this when you have an opportunity. It's a wonderful story. It says in verse 26 that they sang some hymns. And then they went out to the Mount of Olives. In verse 27 of Mark chapter 14 says, Jesus said to them, them meaning the disciples who were there with him. He said, you're going to all fall away. Because, he says, it is written, I'm going to strike down the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. You might want to remember that little part. He says, it is written, the shepherd will be struck down. And the sheep will scatter. But after I have been raised, I'll go before you to Galilee. Peter, in verse 29, stands up, it appears to me, and says to him, Oh, oh, oh whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm more loyal to you than that. Even though everyone might fall away, not me. Not me, Jesus. In verse 30, Jesus Christ said to Peter, Truly, I say to you, that you yourself, this very night, before a cock crows twice, you're going to deny me three times, Peter. And Peter kept insisting. Oh, no, no. You just don't know my loyalty to you, Lord. You don't know where I come from, Lord, even if I were to die. Even if I were to die, he says in verse 31, I won't deny you. And I can almost see it. You know, you have a, a group of people. I can see the other one saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. Me too. I, I mean, I won't go either. I'll, I'll, I won't deny you. I'm in too. So they're all saying this to Jesus Christ. Something very interesting happens. Now Jesus Christ uh, went out and, and one of the disciples, Judas, betrayed him. And so they arrested Jesus Christ. And it was a mob scene. 
Have you ever been in a mob scene? Have you ever been in a place where you were really fearful for your life? I mean fearful for your life. I mentioned this last night, and I mentioned this to you before, and, 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 it, and it, it relates to this a little bit, because I can relate to what is about to take place. I was in a place that I was really, really fearful for my life. Playing baseball in Japan, and we were playing in um, Hiroshima. I think that's where we were. We were in Hiroshima playing against the Carps. Hiroshima Carps, how can I remember that? And at that time, they were celebrating. They were having um, a celebration so much, but a memorial for the bombing of Hiroshima. And the emperor came from Tokyo to be in Hiroshima the very week that we were playing baseball there. Consequently, almost all of the security was with him. And we were playing this game. Game was... It was immaterial, except that it was a close ball game, and we, we won in the ninth inning on a very, very contradictional, very, com- what's it, what's, how do you say it? Conversial, controversial, very controversial event. Uh, one, of our, one of our players scored a run. Actually, he, he jumped into their catcher. I couldn't believe it. Jim, if he did this to you, he would not be alive today. <laughs> he jumped into their catcher. He, the catcher dropped the ball, and the umpire called him safe. And so they had this big argument. And, uh, and so the umpires, after they, they had this argument, the umpires got together, as they normally do in Japan. It's very, they have very calm arguments. Tommy Lasorda would not do well over there. Um, so, so after the argument, the, the, the umpire actually went to the, uh, one of the microphones and announced that the runner was safe, to which the place went a little bit crazy. They had these big wires around the fields there, and some people started throwing garbage cans over the wires. I couldn't believe my eyes. And they were, they were irate over this ball game, to which the, I had an interpreter. I was the only American. They had no American on the Hiroshima team, and I was the only American on our team, the, the Tile Whales. <laughs> and my interpreter came to me, and he says, um, best hurry to the bus. I said, I'm way ahead of you. (laughs) We rushed to the bus, all of us. We got on the bus, and because there was very small security in this place at this time, the people rushed our bus. They started throwing stones at the bus, and we all got down because they started breaking in the windows. Every window on that bus got broken by rocks. Nobody was there to stop the crowd. Then they started pushing the bus over as if they were going to put it on the side. But before they did that, they put out all the air on all the tires of the bus. They, I don't know, stabbed them with a, I don't know. I'm looking around and I'm thinking, they're celebrating the memorial of the bombing of Hiroshima. I'm the only American on this bus. Who do you think they'll be the angriest with at the time? And I'm thinking, I'm going to lose my life. I was actually, like, scared. As they were trying to tilt the bus over, I thought to myself, boy, this is going to be interesting that I die in Japan in a parking lot. I thought they were going to tear me from limb to limb. 
as we were peeking out, looking at what was going on, some men came, amazingly, amazing, these men came. They actually fist-fighted their way through the crowd. And they carved a path for us to, to pull out. And that bus limped out of that parking lot uh, with the tires flat. My heart was racing. I wanted to run out and kiss every one of those guys that dispersed that crowd because I felt like they saved my life. I had a fear that ran through me like uh, none I've ever experienced because it was completely out of control. There was way too many people. There were hundreds of people. I don't know what I would have done. With that in mind... I want you to please turn with me now to verse 65 of Mark chapter 14. This is just a, just a smidgen of what has taken place. Some of the people who had, who had captured Jesus Christ began to spit upon Him. Do you see that in verse 65? They then blindfolded Him. Do you see that in verse 65? And they began to beat Him with their fists. Do you see that? In verse 65, And they were saying to him, Go ahead, prophesy now. And the officers received him with slaps in his face. They slapped him. They beat him. They spit upon him. They blindfolded him. And you could see almost this scene, a mob having Jesus Christ like this. And Peter, who is observing all of this in verse 66, was below, it says, in the courtyard. And one of the servant girls of the high priest came. They she saw Peter warming himself and she said to him, you too were with Jesus the Nazarenes, weren't you? I could almost feel Peter's sense of fear. This mob scene was, was overwhelming, I believe. And so Peter, it says in verse 68, he denied it. He says, no, 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 no. I, I neither know nor understand what you're talking about. He went out to the porch area. We are told in the book of Luke that another young woman came upon him and saw him and began one more to say to the bystanders towards Peter, pointing at him, this is one of them, this is one of them. And again, he denied it in verse 70. And a little while later, bystanders were again saying to Peter, surely you're one of them, you're a Galilean. And he began to curse and he began to swear and said, I do not know this man who you are talking about. And immediately, upon his third denial of Jesus Christ, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an area that was, was, was raw, raw, folks, with, with this fear that must have been flowing through Peter as he was watching the crowd beat Jesus Christ, spit upon him, blindfold him, figuring that's him next. No, I don't know him. No, I don't know him. No, I swear and I curse the name. I don't know this one who you're talking about. And it says in verse 72, immediately a cock crowed a second time. And Peter remembered Jesus Christ made this remark, before a cock crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. And it says he began to weep. Why do I mention this very, this starry, on this beautiful Christmas season. It's what takes place afterwards. The reason I mention this story. 
Something very important happened to Peter, and it happened so that you and I might see for our own selves how much the Lord God loves all of us. It happened three days later when Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Look at Mark 16 now. It says, when the Sabbath was over, Mary, verse 16, verse 1, chapter 16, verse 1, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome bought spices that they might come and anoint Jesus Christ. And very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they were saying to one another as they were going to this scene, who's going to roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? Because the stone was, was huge. It, it, it rolled on there so it would block anybody from going in to any of the grave sites and and to keep the stench out, it was a large stone. Who's going to roll this away? And it says in verse 4, looking up, they saw that the stone had already been rolled away, although it was extremely large. And so they entered into the tomb, and they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. It was an angel. And he said to them, don't be amazed. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who had been crucified. He is risen. He's not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter, he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he said to you. I want to stop for a moment. And I want to take a look at verse 7 one more time. The angel says to the women, go and tell his disciples, and what? And Peter. Why and Peter? Could it be because Peter felt like he had missed his opportunity? Could it be that Peter felt that he lost any chance of walking with Christ because he had denied him three times just a, a day or two earlier? Probably distraught because he did not stand up for the Lord like he said, I, I'll stand with you even if I have to die, I'll be there. But he didn't know the emotions that would run through his spirit and his body when he saw this mob just take and manhandle Jesus Christ, beat him with their fists, spit upon him, blindfold him. And so Peter says, I don't know him, I don't know him. And so the angel says to the women, go and tell his disciples and Peter that he's going to go ahead to you to Galilee, verse 7. And there you're going to see him just as he told you. You see, Christmas is this time. It's a time of giving to others, is it not? Giving gifts, giving love, giving appreciation. Oh, and giving forgiveness and giving another opportunity. It's a time when families gather together and celebrate their love for one another. And the Lord, it appears to me, wanted Peter to know that he still loved him in spite of his betrayal. He wanted Peter to know that he is still a part of his own heart and still a part of his plan for this world to come to know him. 
Peter was still important to the Lord. So he says, go and tell his disciples, and Peter, and Peter. You see, the greatest gift of all, the greatest gift that was ever given on a Christmas morning was the one given to every person on the face of this earth by the child that was born in the manger. You see, he was born, he lived, and he died, and more importantly, he rose from the dead to give you and me another opportunity, another chance to love him, another chance to accept His gift of forgiveness and eternal life. Truly the greatest gift that you and I will ever receive. And he shows us this gift through the disciple Peter who denied him three times by telling Mary to go and tell the disciples. And he places an emphasis and Peter. Tell Peter that I'm alive. Put yourself in Peter's place. How do you suppose Peter felt when Mary said, Hey guys, the Lord's not there. He is risen. And guess what? He should have been with us. We saw an angel. And an angel said to us, He is risen. He's not here. He's going to go before us in Galilee. And he wanted to tell all of you, Alan, Peter, Peter, he mentioned your name. He wanted us to tell you too that He is risen. And He wants us to meet Him in Galilee. How do you think Peter felt? I want you to look with me at the book of John. You're in Mark. Turn to Luke to the right and then John chapter 21. It's the last chapter in the book of John. It's it's a tremendous scene. They're waiting now for instructions from the Lord, Peter and the other disciples. And I want you to see the result of this statement to go tell everyone and Peter that I'm still alive. In John chapter 21 and verse 8, it said, After these things, Jesus Christ manifested Himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. He manifested Himself in this way. In other words, He showed them Himself this way. They were together, Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going to go fishing. And they said to him, we'll come with you. They went out and got into the boat and that very night they caught absolutely nothing. When the day was breaking, Jesus stood by the beach and The disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. In verse 5 it says, He yelled out to them, Children, do you you have any fish? And they answered, Nah, no. And now he says to a group of fishermen on a boat, Well then, why don't you cast your net on the right-hand side of the boat? You're going to find a catch there. I mean, please, have you ever told a fisherman how to fish? They know how to fish. And, and you mean to say that the, that the net in the left side of the boat is not as good as the net on the right side of the boat? Cannot the fish f- swim under the boat? And they did what he said, and they hauled in more fish than they knew how to handle, the Bible says. And it says in verse 7, John, that's the disciple whom Jesus Christ loved, he said to Peter, it's the Lord. 
That's Jesus Christ there on the shore, Peter. And when Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment and he was because he was stripped for work and he threw himself in the sea. You know, he wasn't going to wait for them to pull up the, the anchor. He wasn't going to wait for them to bring in the net. He wanted to be with Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you why. I believe he wanted to be with Jesus Christ because he had been given another chance. He had been given that, that, that other opportunity to put what he had done wrong behind him and love on Jesus Christ. And I say to you, the gift of forgiveness, the another chance that was given to us by the baby who was born in the manger, it is for every single one of us who think we've missed our opportunity. It's for you. It's for me. It's for all of us. No matter what your betrayal has been to the Lord. No matter what you have done that you think it's too unforgiving. It is not. I am here to tell you by the grace of God that whatever it is that you have done, He is more than willing to forgive you. He has given every single one of us who have fallen short, and that's all of us, folks. All of us who have named the name of Jesus Christ have fallen short at one time or another. We all need forgiveness. That's why there is a Savior. And the more you grow in your faith, the more you understand you need Him. You need Him desperately every day. And He wants to forgive us of our shortcomings. To each and every single one of us who have messed up, just like Peter, don't you know that Christmas is the time to open the gift of forgiveness and second chances? No, not second chances. Hundredth chances. Thousands of chances. When you go to God and you ask for forgiveness, He says, I will take your sin from you, John, and I will separate it from you as far as the east is from the west, and I will what? Remember it no more. I cannot even begin to tell you how many opportunities and other chances I have taken and asked the Lord to forgive me and give me another chance, another opportunity. His gift for you and me this Christmas season is another opportunity, another chance to make it right. Another chance to receive the forgiveness of your sin and to follow Him once again. Or perhaps, for those of you who are visiting, it's an opportunity to you to come to Him for that very first time. You haven't missed your opportunity you haven't missed your chance there is nothing that you have done that he will not and cannot forgive you of he loves you that much that's the baby that was born in the manger that is the true reason for christmas so that you and i can have opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to make our walk right with Him. And so we have about five minutes right now. And 
And I'm going to ask Bill, to, if he doesn't mind, to go over there. And, and if we need more, Fred will go over or whomever. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to kind of just think. We're going to dim the lights just a couple, two, three minutes. And to think through this whole privilege of having opportunities to walk with Christ. Perhaps this Christmas season, you've done something that you're not happy with, you're not proud of. And you think, wow, everybody's so joyful, everybody's so full of this baby born in the manger, and here I am, betrayed him in some way, some fashion. And you're wondering, will he forgive me? I'm here to shout from the very rooftops. Yes, he'll forgive you every time. Like he said to Mary, go tell the disciples and Peter, you can add your, ma- your name to that. Go tell the people at the Rock Community Church and John and Mary and Pete and whomever that I still love you. And if you're here this morning and you've not ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we beg of you, absolutely beg of you to come to Him. Nobody can make you. But if it is a desire of your heart to ask Him into your heart to forgive you of your sins, you can do that right where you're seated simply by saying, Lord, just forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. 